Life Audio. Hey everyone, this is Kelly Givens, one of the producers of How to Study the Bible. I'm cutting in really quick to let you know that Nicole is taking a much needed break this month after her amazing Roman study. We decided that this would be a great opportunity to re air the very first episodes of How to Study the Bible. These are the ones where Nicole went step by step through her alive method of Bible study. If you're newish to the show or just never caught those first episodes, we hope you listen, because Nicole really lays the foundations for her whole approach to Bible study in these first few shows. Nicole will be back in February with a brand new series, but until then, we hope these episodes are helpful for you as you study the Bible. Okay, here's the show. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. There's a lot of things in Scripture where the same basics apply at all times, like the verbs always matter, lists always matter. When things are repeated, that always matters. And what starts to happen in your mind is you just kind of like assimilate the fundamentals and you begin to read the Bible that way, and you don't have to sharpen your pencil in quite the same way. You're kind of able to observe and see it differently than you did before. Welcome to How to Study the Bible. I am your host, your coach, your counselor, maybe even someone who may disturb you this episode as we together look at what does it mean to discover and encounter and experience God through His Word for ourselves. We have been working through the Alive Method, a simple framework for how we can understand any passage of Scripture and begin to pull out and mine the beauty of the principles of what God wants to share with us and how we apply them to our life. So for the next few minutes, let's turn our minds on to experience God's Word. Let's tune our hearts to the reality of God's love. We must enter into Scripture with the faith to believe that God wants to speak with us so that we can live our lives as people of purpose and of peace. This is Session 5, Principles, Part 2, What to Do When You Get Stuck. All right, everyone, we have been building on the Alive Method, just a mashup of stuff that's been out there for many years that I'm just bringing to you, hopefully in a fresh way that helps you engage. We're asking four simple questions of Scripture. We ask the same questions with every passage of Scripture, no matter where we are. The first question is, what does it say? Before we can do anything, we have to make sure that we have actually turned our brains on and paid enough attention so that we are asking questions of what this passage looks like for me. It means I'm looking for lists. I'm looking to imagine. I am looking for little words that are very important, like pronouns and conjunctions and verbs. And I'm doing all of that eighth grade English work as I look at the passage. And just a side note, um, when people do this, and I've been teaching this method for years, there's some people who are just born scholars. Like they love it. And this is like their jam. And they're doing this for hours and they're pulling out everything and diagramming sentences and they're just loving it. Guess what? That is approximately 9% of the people who are reading the Bible. So if you are not in that 9%, if you're in that 9%, let me tell you, more power to you. We 
Bible teacher, we love you. We love you, and we are so happy that you want to spend two hours on a passage of Scripture. However, if you're in the 91% of people who this is not as fun for you, I just want to make sure that you understand. Remember when I talked about the basics, like all of life is full of fundamentals. There's just like the basics of things. Didn't Vince Lombardi once say this is a football, like in a locker room? I'm not sure if that's true. But if it is true, there's basics. And there's basics to fitness and basics to cooking. And this is a basic, a basic of Bible reading or really of any reading is that I have to know what does it say. And what's going to happen as you practice this method is it's going to feel clunky and awkward at first if you're not a person who loves to dig into those details. But over time, it's actually going to become natural. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. There's a lot of things in scripture where the same basics apply at all times, like the verbs always matter, lists always matter. When things are repeated, that always matters. And what starts to happen in your mind is you just kind of like assimilate the fundamentals and you begin to read the Bible that way. And you don't have to sharpen your pencil in quite the same way. You're kind of able to observe and see it differently than you did before. But it just, you're in a process. And it's a little bit awkward as the process begins. It's a little clunky. But as you practice, it's going to become much more natural. And you're not going to have to spend one, two, three hours on a passage unless you want to. You're going to be able to notice pretty quickly. All right, what does this say? I'm able to repeat it. I'm able to experience it. And as you become a real student of God's Word, you're going to know stuff. You're going to actually know some of the stories. And as you know them, they're going to become more familiar. You're going to be able to see those details a little more clearly. So press on persevere through question one. What does it say? The next question we ask is, what's the backstory? What's actually going on in this passage? What do my study notes tell me? What do my cross-references tell me? I look for some of the answers to the questions that I had in question one. You're probably not going to get all your answers, but you'll get some of those answers. You might start to be like, hmm, here's a couple of things that I need to know in order to actually understand what did this mean at the time that it was written? And that's where we are right now. We're on question three. What does it mean? This becomes the good stuff. We're, we're becoming theologians. We're asking the question, who is God and how does he express himself in the Bible? We're asking the question, what am I learning about human nature? I mean, I've picked up a lot about human nature. I'm a human, right? You're all thinking that. We've, we've all been exposed to some level of psychology. We've all been exposed to some level of change management and behavior modification and what is motivating and how do we learn. But what does the Bible say about human nature? What does the Bible say about how we begin in this world, how we continue in this world, how we end in this world and what eternity looks like? We ask the questions of what is it telling me? about human nature. And then, of course, we're asking the question as a theologian, what is the interaction between God and people? Do you know that this is the place where I think most of us get hung up more than anywhere else, is we want to understand our agency. What that means is we want to understand what actions am I meant to take? What has God given me to be responsible for as opposed to what he is responsible for? And you know what? A lot of us diverge on this. We're not really sure. We're all curious. We're all students together, whether you've been a pastor for 50 years or you've been in the kingdom of God for five days, we're all asking those questions. What about my agency? What's my responsibility? What do I have control over? What does God require of me? Those are the kind of questions that we can ask in scripture. And those are the kind of answers, or I'm going to go ahead and say theories, that we can begin to discover as we explore principles. The step of Bible study that is asking the question, what does it mean, is the most important step. 
and it also takes the most work. So today we're going to look at some of the common issues that can derail our Bible study and how we can overcome them. I want to look at three of those common issues that we can face and just just do a little, just scratch the surface on some ways, maybe just a perspective shift for you on how you can approach these very, very common realities that we all experience as we begin to read the Bible. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. One of those first tough, thorny problems that we experience when we get to interpretation, asking the question, what does this mean, is we're looking at a passage and maybe we've got a little bit of Bible study knowledge or some stories in our mind and we're thinking, wait a second, these passages contradict. We seem to be coming against scriptures that don't seem to agree with each other. And so we're looking at the scripture and saying, how am I going to find the principle if this thing doesn't agree? And there are places like that, and there are some some ways that we can move forward with that. We want to look for, for how many times things repeat, what happens in those scripture. And this is kind of an advanced level hermeneutic, if we want to use that word. But here's an example of how that might play out. Take, for instance, the very hot topic of women in ministry, women in scripture. So there's a passage in 1 Timothy, and it's chapter 2, verse 12. And and without any other context, let me just read you the verse. This is what the verse says. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Okay. So if I'm going to read just that passage and I'm going to ask, what does it say? Well, I think I know what it says. 
I should ask what the backstory is. In fact, skipping over what the backstory is is a real problem. But let's say I've looked into the backstory and I'm looking for the principle and I'm asking myself the question, can women teach? What does what, what teaching mean and what does it mean to have authority? Well, what I want to do whenever I come to a tough problem in scripture that I might think that doesn't align with my experience or some of my stories, I want to ask the question, what else happens in scripture beyond this? How do I know if a passage that I'm reading is bound in a cultural time as opposed to a principle that is timeless, that is relevant, that applies throughout history? So one of the questions I want to ask, and I learned this through a book called The Blue Parakeet, written by Scott McKnight, and I would commend it to you. It's a fantastic, great book on how to study the Bible. And one of the questions that he asks, and he particularly uses this question of women in ministry, to say, when we're going to interpret Scripture, what we need to ask is, well, what do women do in Scripture? As I'm reading this passage and looking for a principle, I would want to ask myself, well, what do women do? And is what women do condemned other, in other places in Scripture, or is it commended? And then we're going to ask that question. So some of those places that I might want to look are the book of Judges, where Deborah is the chief prophet and judge of Israel, or uh, the fact that in Acts chapter 1, Anna is a female prophet, or the place in uh, the New Testament where God, uh, where Paul talks about Priscilla, who is planting a house church with her husband. Those are some of the examples where I'm going to have to ask, okay, what else happens in Scripture? We are looking for Scripture to inform Scripture. And sometimes when we do that, we may not fully understand the contradictions. We actually may come to different um, landing places on what we believe the principle is. But oftentimes when we hit a tough place of Scripture, we need to remember God's ways are higher than our ways. When we understand a contradiction, we understand it with our human knowledge. God does not understand it as a contradiction. Oftentimes, there's a missing piece that we might not be able to fully see, and that is okay. One of the things that we must be comfortable with as students of God's Word and as followers of Jesus is comfortable with mystery. And it is okay to have an open-minded theory about what Scripture might mean. You might be able to say, you know what, I think this is what it means. That's what I'm kind of living, but I'm still studying, and I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm trying to understand what it means, and that's okay to be open to that. But one of the things that we're looking for whenever we come to a thorny place in Scripture is we want to ask the question, well, what else happens, for instance, with women in ministry? What else do women do in Scripture as a way to begin to make that interpretation? Another tough problem that tons of people often come to me with and that I myself, of course, have struggled with is it seems like the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament are not the same God. Or maybe you've heard people say, I'm okay with Jesus, but I don't, I don't like believe in the God of the Old Testament. Let me say something that might sound hard or harsh, and I don't mean for it to. I'm just going to say it with all the gentleness I can. Oftentimes when I hear people say that, I do wonder if they have actually read the Old Testament for themselves or if they're just repeating what they've heard said or if they've read certain parts of it but not all of it. I have found when taken as a whole, when I, when I take the Old Testament as a whole, there are aspects of God's nature and character that are so obviously repeated in the New Testament, that there are these essential elements of God's goodness, of his nature, of his love, of his mercy, of his plan, his redemptive plan to not only redeem his chosen people, Israel, but to allow Israel to be a chosen people that then reaches the whole world with the goodness of who God is. I see all that in the Old Testament. Now, 
Is it easy to find? No. Are there stories in the Old Testament that are like alarming and seem so violent and so um, outside of our experience of modern culture? Absolutely. But as a student of God's word, as you begin to especially spend time in question two, what's the backstory? I would encourage you whenever you feel like, okay, I'm not sure that the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament disagree. Could you hold your hand open to that and be like, what if I'm wrong? What if there's a different interpretation? And what I believe you might find is that the places that are really hard to interpret in the Old Testament that that scholars of a, a whole life of scholars are still interpreting or still disagree on are are not as common. Those are the exception rather than the rule to this picture that God is painting of his redemptive work. Now, are the stories hard and violent? Yes. Was that culture hard and violent? Absolutely. In fact, it is so obvious that we are living in the age of Jesus Christ, what Jesus ushered in with his um, total stance on the dignity of human beings no matter what. We live in that. We, we, we fight wars based on who Jesus is and what he said about the, the dignity of human life. But previous to Jesus, the world was run on conquest and violence, and that's what we see in the Old Testament. So as we explore the backstory, I would, I would encourage you, whenever you feel like a principle contradicts or you're not sure what to do with the Old and New Testament, go back to the backstory and spend time there. Okay, finally, last one I hear a lot, the Old Testament isn't relevant. The Old Testament isn't relevant to my life. Well, here's the truth. When you look at the New Testament, you'll find like there are little letters in the New Testament, these pastoral letters like like, uh, Genesis, not Genesis, uh, pastoral letters like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. There are these short letters that are just like packed with theology. They're just packed with like practical implications for our life as believers. And it just, it makes sense right away. And we're like, oh yes, I want to be a person who uses words to edify. And I want a person who lives a life of love. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, we're reading history and we're reading narratives of history. It's like the difference between reading like a really, really good article that teaches you about human nature and reading an entire novel that teaches you about human nature. It may teach you the same thing about human nature, but one of them is going to do it in a lot more words. So when you're looking to the Old Testament, I would encourage you to kind of try to like back up a little bit, maybe read more of it at a time. Don't try to take it apart one word at a time, but look for look for the stories, look for the narratives. We do this in the book where we're looking at it and saying, okay, um, I may not be able to find like 18 theological principles right now in this book of First Kings, but this book of First Kings is teaching me a lot about human nature, about leadership, about the limitations of humanity. But I'm doing that as I'm reading like three chapters at a time. I might not be like pulling it apart to the same extent that I could, for instance, pull apart a book like Romans or spend a long time on one verse in the New Testament. That is also okay. The form and function of Scripture changes through these 66 books. We we have Scripture that's narrative. We have Scripture that's poetry. We have Scripture that's letters. We have Scripture that's history. So you need to know kind of what you're reading, back to question two, so that you don't get hung up on like little details, especially when you're a new, young, young investigator of scripture. Don't get hung up on all of those details right away. Look for the big principles first, then you can build on the smaller principles later. So what does that all mean? Two things. First, the tension is good. It is okay 
to experience some tension. It is okay to not know the answers. That is okay. God is not alarmed by your doubt. God is not alarmed by your insecurity. Return to your home base when you need to. Home base, what principle is always true? Jesus loves you. This we know, for the Bible tells us so. That is always true. You can always come back to home base. It's okay to be a little bit insecure about all this other stuff. God can handle it. I think he delights in us seeking him out and let scripture inform scripture. If you're not sure about a principle, hold on to it and look for scripture, other scripture to help you understand that principle that you're looking for. All right, everyone, we're moving to application next episode. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.